The loose rock makes walking slippery and difficult, both going up and going down. I set my pace to granny gear and power up Temporal Canyon very slowly. It's one of the mountains that hides the view of what's to come. Just when it appears I'm heading for blue sky, another section appears, somehow managing to be just a little bit steeper. I'm breathing hard and fast, but this is my favorite thing, pushing upwards, step by step, and watching the mountain shrink under my feet and the views grow. Finally, the road crests and begins a very steep descent. Is this it? It can't be. I'm in a canyon, a kind of bowl with no way out but up, steep, and frankly, unpleasant on a road. I measure my breaths as I slowly crawl into the bowl. But what's this? A jeep? No, a fleet of jeeps heading to the top. Okay, this is the second time today, no, actually the third, that I've hitched a ride. Am I going soft? I hop in with Ron, who obviously knows how to handle this mess. We crawl over one seemingly impenetrable boulder after another, steeply down over an eroded wash, then right back up at what feels like 90 degrees. He doesn't take me far at all, but it's enough moving me to the actual trail with an actual sign at the end of the road. I ask Ron if he thinks I'm cheating. The way I see it, he says, you're wearing rubber shoes and there's rubber under this Jeep on the road. So, it all counts. <laughs> I'm happy to go to ride. I don't think it's cheating if you're on the exact same trail I'm on. That's my rule. You're listening to the Blissful Hiker Podcast. I'm Allison Young, the Blissful Hiker, sometime professional flutist, sometime voice artist, and full-time pedestrian. My goal in sharing stories of walking long-distance trails as a solo, female, middle-aged, titanium-reinforced hiker is to empower you to learn to hike your own hike, too. When the morning star rises, that means the sun will come up soon. But it's cold, and I'm toasty warm in Big Greeny, my western mountaineering Versalite sleeping bag. I shiver changing from a sleeping tee back into my hiking uniform plus fleece and a down coat. Then pack up and get moving. I'll eat along the way once I need to change back out of all of my warm gear. I'm walking the Arizona Trail and cowgirl camped in a cow meadow about seven miles from Patagonia, my first stop to resupply. I knew it would be cold, but the wide variation is still shocking. The trail is a roller coaster of up and down through thick grass laced with sharp thorns and in and out of sun and shade. I shiver as I drop down into a draw. I thought I heard people pass as I got set up last night, but I count six tents down here. The trail moves out of the cow pies and into views of hills upon hills. I pass a trail crossing that leads to a road and an explanation that the Arizona Trail Association is trying hard to keep us off roads. How nice of them, as I head into a seemingly endless series of puds, pointless up and downs. Okay, maybe that's not fair. I'm just tired, and I haven't been able to eat much. Right now, uphill is making me sick. Just when I think I've hit the flats and I see a way out, the trail zooms right back up. In one low area near a wash, I count three more tents, then another. 
Did anyone cowgirl camp last night? I'm beginning to feel kind of badass. Soon I reach a gate at a high point, and at last I see the town ahead. Far ahead. But I'm making progress. It's still ups and downs, but at a smaller degree until I reach a road. Almost right away, Judy stops to pick me up. She's on her way to volunteer at the church, and she says she only picks me up because I'm a woman. She drops me a mile ahead at Ovens of Patagonia, where I have a ginger ale to set my queasy stomach. Is it the altitude? The lack of salt? Maybe all this hard work. I've got no idea. I've never felt this sick on a hike before. It's not food poisoning or jardia, just kind of a weak feeling. Well, a Nero is in order, a kind of half-day off, and I stay overnight in luxury at the Stage Stop Hotel watching movies and resting up. Maybe this was just too much, and I don't really have what it takes anymore. My sleep is restless, and I need an alarm to wake me up with no morning star to signal the day's begun. Even in gloriously comfortable sheets and absolute silence, I sleep poorly, concerned about soreness, my low energy, and that nausea. Jerry at the stage stop assures me I need to drink a lot more water than I think, so I camel up before starting. Puddles in the street indicate it rained last night, but I never heard it. I just see beautiful remnants and clouds catching the rising sun. I stop at the market for a breakfast flauta and wave at truckers passing. The Day of the Dead Museum proudly displays skulls on the front lawn. A coffee shop uses the honor system for fresh grounds left in a locker. I do love this aspect of thru-hiking, leaving a town by a paved road, past the school and homes, one with a trump flag, another with water for thru-hikers. Soon the road becomes dirt, slowly gaining altitude and aiming straight for a massive peak I saw from the Canelo Hills. Am I meant to climb that? I don't think so, but I will climb 2,500 feet today. It's going to be a long one, but I feel good after my rest and all that water is having an effect. I'm more alert and energized and less sore, though I do have to pee every half hour. It's easy walking, slowly ascending. I reach a sign that tells me I've entered the National Forest and that all who drive here need a license. I'm carrying two liters, and I stop at some pools of water for a snack and another liter. If the water's inside me, am I still carrying two pounds? The views back to the mountains I crossed these past days are stunning. I can see all the way to Mexico. I sit on a downed log, and I see a spot recently cut. It looks flat, so I choose it, without using my mini sit pad. Oh, that was my first mistake. Something bites me on the back of my leg. I don't see anything, but I feel a burn. As I continue, the road gets rockier and much harder to walk on. Just then, a truck shows up. In a split second, I create a new rule. If I'm walking an actual road, it's not cheating to hitch. Henry and James are happy to pick me up, though they reckon it's only a half mile to Anaconda Spring where they'll drop me. No problem, I really don't need to walk this. Henry leases land from the Forest Service for his cattle. He's heading out to supplement their diet since the grass is dead now. I tell them how much I love Arizona, and the people are so nice, they both say at once. Yes, they are. I think they like the stream of backpackers coming through. It shakes things up and supports the economy. I like meeting working ranchers who love the land. 
but they do tell me it's supposed to snow this weekend. It feels a little bit more than a half mile, and I'm grateful since they take me deep down and back up one section I was glad to skip. I do ask them, though, for one small favor, but I've got to take my pants down. (laughs) I can't see the bite because it's at the back of my leg, and I wonder, how bad is it? James takes a peek, so they give me a half-empty tube of hydrocortisone and wish me luck. I sit on beautiful limestone smoothed by rushing water. Right now it's more of a puddle, so I use a bit of pantyhose to pre-filter the water before pushing it through my Sawyer squeeze. I no longer squeeze, to be honest. Instead, I let gravity do the work. I take in yet another leader and continue heading up. It's lovely in here. Faded blonde grass, oak and juniper, and mountains in the distance. The air is a perfect mix of frigid breeze and hot sun. I barely sweat. Two backpackers come towards me, Little Furnace and Kraken section hiking. They seem happy enough, and I wonder if they camped nearby. It's still a long way to more water, and now on rolling rocks that hurt my feet. And just then, Henry and James show up again and say, Hop in! You're listening to The Blissful Hiker Podcast, a series of personal essays coupled with found sound and my own flute playing that explores my journey of self-discovery as a middle-aged woman, sharing the sometimes unglamorous but vital truth about empowerment as badass people who don't need permission to blaze our own trails in this journey we call life. This time, the ride is not far at all. A quarter of a mile, maybe but it's an ankle twist waiting to happen. Henry drives very carefully over huge boulders, steeply down and steeply up. They deposit me next to a slow-moving pool of water, and I know this time is for real because there's no water up and over this mountain range until a few miles down the other side. Let me tell you, being properly hydrated feels amazing. I realize there's always a risk of drinking too much, But I think I might have had such a deficit with the altitude and arid climate. My body really needs this much water. My strategy on the desert portion of the PCT was to bring a 4-liter capacity. I only used it once for San Jacinto Peak, a 10,000-foot climb over 20 miles, with water near the top. On day one of the AZT, I also carried 4 liters. The big difference this time is I drank way less and carried way more. Today, all of that changed. I'm taking enough, of course, but I've cameled up, feeling full for the next big pulls. Surprisingly, it's still a road that heads up, straight up. I guess whoever drives this doesn't need switchbacks. When I get my third ride with Ron, who picks me up at the head of a line of Jeeps, I think maybe I've really lost it, because I'm cheating all the way up this mountain. But the trail that I meet is a serious one, only a little over a mile, but it's an endurance test of switchbacks into an agave-dotted sky island. I don't climb the tallest mountain, Mount Wrightson, like a shark fin way in the distance two days ago. Still, it's a lot over a saddle, and suddenly into a new world. I'm surrounded by tall, straight-trunked pines, cool in the shade. Beyond is desert, and one mountain range after another. I drop down into Walker Canyon on a seemingly endless series of switchbacks, 
descending quickly to Bear Spring. Funny, I drank so much I don't need to collect any more. So just take a break in the cool silence, sharing a log with a lizard. The trail is level through the soft beauty of the Santa Rita Mountains. On a balcony, I look deep into a chasm with rock ramparts standing proudly above. Beyond is the flat expanse and more ranges. Lime-green lichen adorn a stair-step outcropping of rock. I join a dirt road again at Gardner Canyon, absolutely empty, though many large campsites tell a story of what might be coming this weekend. I cross a stream and leave the road for a beautiful path, again on a balcony with unobstructed views. Along this gorgeous path, signs tell the story of a complicated hydraulic mining venture to use jets of water to get at gold deposits. With scarce resources, the plan was to create a system to move the water uphill to where it was needed. It worked, and I walk over the original pipes, but alas, there wasn't enough gold to make it profitable. I leave this lovely trail and drop into a gulch. A campsite sits next to green algae water. It will be an icebox in here tonight. So I continue on to a road surrounded by grass and gnarly oaks. A backpacking couple is there, Olivia and Brandon, newly engaged. We started the thru-hike before, she tells me, all smiles. That means he popped the question within the last few days. Sadly, she twisted her ankle, and they're waiting for a ride. It's still too early, but I look for a campsite. Two men are riding horses and trying to lasso a steer, so I keep moving through. At the trailhead, I wave in the distance to a backpacker with his tent already set. It's low here and will be cold, plus it's Friday and bound to get busy. So I stay on the trail and walk steeply up, eventually reaching a plateau. Near a gate, a small trail leads to a central high point, a sort of island within an island. Mountain ranges surround me on three sides, including the monster I climbed today. It's beautiful here, but I wonder what's happening to my resolve. Is accepting rides when walking the road permissible? It's not as though I didn't work hard today and hike far, and I was literally walking on a road when the cars came by. I didn't skip an entire section. I puzzle over my choices as the sky turns pink, and I get dinner ready. I decide to sleep in the alley coop because I really need my legs to hang a kimbo, and it's much easier to do in a tent. This walk is different because I wasn't able to set aside unlimited time to finish it, and I sort of need to keep moving ahead. Lots of it is rock-filled road that feels hard on my feet and frankly is kind of boring. But I can't tell if it's just my sore limbs and the fact that I'm struggling to move well that's coloring my mood and allowing me to accept those rides that just seem to magically appear. Then again, maybe it's just too early in the hike to be pushing so hard. I really don't know. And it's time to sleep now in my magical campsite in the air. You can subscribe to Blissful Hiker wherever you get your podcasts, and please leave a review on Apple to help the show get discovered. Blissful Hiker is on Patreon right now. You can support the show financially as a patron, help me get on trail to collect sound and create these stories. Find a link to Patreon in the show notes or at blissfulhiker.com. 
Next week, I start to find my rhythm without putting my thumb out. <laughs> Until then, my friends, kia kaha and happy trails.